Welcome to Takeaways, Life Lessons Learned. I'm your host, Hayam Mizrahi, recording from MDL Group. Recognized market leaders in commercial real estate brokerage and property management in Las Vegas, Nevada. Join me as I explore my takeaways from the people who have influenced me the most. Let's get started. Get ready, takeaways. Here's another NAOP Southern Nevada Programs Recap. NAOP is the Association for the Commercial Real Estate Development Industry. And the September program was so good. It was so good. The title was Downtown Las Vegas, All Grown Up. The panelists were Sam Cherry, CEO of Cherry Development, and a pioneer in downtown residential development. We had John Tippin, CEO of North Cap Companies. And our moderator was Mr. Steve Nager, Associate Vice President at Colliers International and NAOP Board of Directors and NAOP Government Affairs Chair Extraordinaire. The program sponsor that morning was Carpenter Sellers Delgado Architects. And I'll tell you, when I say the program was great, it was three dudes up there talking about what they're each individually doing downtown, but with this immense understanding that what each of them are doing individually has an effect on the entire downtown community. And when I say that and I think about it, that really sums up our DNA and our culture here in Southern Nevada. But with, with downtown, it's really amplified because it's distilled in this, this little microcosm of a community. You'll hear from a panelist here in a bit, but what I took away from this program was downtown has been evolving. It's evolved way beyond the Tony Shea era, and it's really catching fire. And if you haven't been downtown to rediscover it, it's time to do it now. So I'm going to go away. You're going to hear applause, and then you'll hear the full program with Sam, John, and Steve. Enjoy. I heard this was being recorded, so I'm just going to put Hyam's name up here instead of mine. Um, thanks for being here. Thank you, Carpenter Seller Delgado, for uh, sponsoring the event. Um, I'm going to bring our distinguished guests up, and uh, we'll get this thing started. First, Sam Cherry. Sam Cherry is, has developed over $200 million in projects in downtown Las Vegas. He built the first residential high-rise in the city of Las Vegas, Soho Lofts. He recently finished the multifamily housing project Share Downtown in the Arts District and is building another one in the Fremont East area. He started working on downtown projects two decades ago and lives downtown even still today. In his free time, he serves as a planning commissioner for the city of Las Vegas, and he loves long walks on Fremont Street. <laughs> Please welcome Sam Cherry. Our second panelist, John Tippins. John Tippins is the founder of and CEO of North Cap Commercial. He's a real estate developer and an owner of multifamily, retail, and office projects. 
He was a partner in the development of the Metropolitan Police Headquarters and recently closed in partnership three land deals from the city of Las Vegas for development. In his career, John has been involved in over 100 transactions in downtown Las Vegas. He is a UNLV graduate and in 2007 graduated the uh, city of Las Vegas uh, leadership, Las Vegas. Um, in his free time, he's a board member for the Mayor's Fund and is on the advisory board for UNLV. Uh, John also loves long walks on Fremont Street. <laughs> Thank you guys for being here. Thank you. So when Dan called me to do a program about downtown, I said, Dan, we just did a program about downtown last year. And he said, yeah, I know. And I said, I know. And he, and he said, does that mean you can't talk about new and interesting stuff for an hour about downtown that has nothing to do with what we talked about last year? I said, no, I can do that. And he said, yeah, I know. Okay, so? I said, <laughs> I see your point. So last year we talked about exciting stuff on Fremont Street, we talked about Tony Shea, we talked about the tourist component. This time we're not going to talk about that at all. Um, the title of the program is All, was it All Grown Up, is that what we did? All Grown Up downtown. So um, obviously the intent of the program was to have three principals. I, I really should not be called a principal compared to these guys. These guys are true uh, founders of the new downtown, so I'm very happy they're here, and I think that we're all going to have a um, great time listening to them uh, about what's going on. So I kind of dubbed the program Pillows, PCs, and Plates. That's, that's kind of the intent here. Where you sleep, where you work, and where you eat. Um, that, that's, that's, that's everything we're going over here. Um, I'm going to start by summarizing a few things that are, that are new and have happened in the last 12 months. Not what's coming, but what has already happened. Um, at the front, when you guys leave, there's uh, a couple of documents. There's one, it's an aerial of Symphony Park. And there's also 25 pages of projects that are coming online and have come online that the City of Las Vegas uh, Economic and Urban Development Department put together. When you flip through those pages, I mean, it's 25 pages and there's multiple projects per page. So you can take that. Uh, it's, it's, it's pretty incredible to actually see it on paper. A um, few things. International Intervention Center number two has officially opened at 801 South Main. Uh, the Huntridge Theater redevelopment is happening, and it's anchored by Soho Playhouse. I'm not sure if anybody's heard of Soho Playhouse, but uh, look them up. It's, it's pretty exciting. Um, Atomic Range. Anybody heard of Atomic Range coming to the Strat? In the hands? Zero? Few? Five? Ten? Thank you. Uh, they are basically top golf, but as, as the, those founders would tell you, much, much newer technology. So they, they're stepping up the game in, in, in range golf and they're going right immediately north of the Strat. Uh, Vic Symphony Park, full service restaurant and tavern with live music, venue by the folks that own Sony's Rock and Country. That'll open this fall. Um, the Kirk Kikorian School of Medicine, everybody knows about that. That's obviously huge news for everybody. Uh, that's opening, having their grand opening on October 5th. Uh, the completion of the Grand Civic Center across from City Hall is expected to be Q3 of 24. Um, and Auric and Park Haven, brand new apartments in Symphony Park, are nearly full at this point, and there's a lot more apartments coming. 
So having said that, I, I'd like to stop talking and, and ask John and Sam about their um, origin stories of downtown for a few and, and what you guys are working on now and what you have worked on. So by all means, please. <laughs> Sam and I actually met, uh, I, I started my career with uh, Jim Zeter and uh, we met while I was in college at our office and Sam was like, I'm gonna build a high rise downtown and I'm like, well, I got these listings that Mr. Bigelow has and Nothing worked out on our stuff, but Sam, that's how we met back in 2001-ish, I think, right? Yeah. And, and uh, I had all the Bigelow listings downtown from Studio Plaza to his, what, what he started his career with, which is Budget Suites. And, um, and the market started to go up, and everyone was talking high-rise and mid-rise, and, and uh, we stayed down there since 2001 and still down there today, so... And uh, we started uh, in downtown. Actually, Grant Garcia, who's here, a partner of mine, and Jason Liddell and Ryan Stebor, we all went to high school together. Well, Grant and I were trying to flip homes and make money and make a living and rehab things and looked at trying to do something bigger and better. And, and Oscar Goodman at the time was really talking about downtown and uh, just really trying to drum up some business. So. We had looked down there and, and we could see that uh, there's really a future down here. Downtown was on a grid system with a lot of potential growth and uh, a big story that could be told for many years to come. And so when we started our project, we'd look at other projects like competition and you know the closest one at the time was Turnberry and we'd say, okay, well, what's the difference in that area to where we're at? And when you'd walk outside of Turnberry, it's never going to change. It's always going to be what it is in front there. And so it was easy for us to see that we needed to be in downtown. And we'd tell people, if you're going to live in Turnberry, you're going to live a miserable life. You're going to cry every day. And you should sell your unit and move downtown. That's what we still tell people that today. It's the same story about downtown today. There's still future growth. There's still excitement in downtown. Um, and it's the same thing for 20 years now. So. Thank you, sir. Um, I, I, uh, I sold the Sterling Club for a fraction of, uh, of what it was cost to build, and I told him the same thing when I was selling it, too. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I, I, I enjoy Turnberry, and Sterling Club's an amazing property. Uh, so let's start with, uh, let's dig into uh, multifamily a little bit. Um, I mean, Soho Lofts, there, there's some towers there, there's some towers, there's Turnberry, there's some towers, Panorama along the tourist corridor. Um, nobody really understands, we, we, everybody's been talking about it for years and that downtown has needed a house, housing, they need affordable housing, they need apartments, they need high rises. and. Uh, these guys are actually doing it. They've been doing it for a long time. They've been through the cycles. And so I guess I want to ask for the units that you guys are working on um, currently or are already finished, how has demand been? I, I know that the general talking point is things are great and we're filling up units, but can we get a little bit more detail, a little bit more color on you know what you're seeing for rents and what kind of units you have and, and how that's relative or how it compares to the rest of town? Sure. <coughs> Excuse me. So we'll go back to, you know, when, when the condo crash happened and, and we took over uh, what was Streamline Towers at the time 
and, and Joule. And we converted uh, Streamline Towers into the Ogden, and the partners in that deal were Starwood Capital, TPG, and the FDIC. And Las Vegas was the kind of the last market in the country. I think Las Vegas and Phoenix were the last markets in the country to rebound from the, from the, from the condo crash. And we rented those units out at Ogden, and it was like 40 units in the first month, 50 units, and it was this waiting list of, of people that wanted to live in the Ogden. And at the time, the Ogden, it's, it's located at Ogden and Las Vegas Boulevard, which is right next to Fremont East. Uh, at the beginning, there was no downtown project. There was a few bars, and it was the only place you could really walk to, um, a bar, a restaurant, a coffee shop. Um, and it was completely different than the Fremont Street experience. And so probably three months in, four months in, uh, Tony Shea and Zappos and those guys came and leased about 70 units from us, and, and he really helped the, the whole free money's take off, probably by like 15 years. And I think Tony really helped all of downtown take off because it created opportunities in the Arts District by Jewel. Um, so fast forward, uh, we, we converted Ogden uh, back to condos and sold it out. And so we displaced probably uh, 275 to 300 people that were renting at the Ogden. Many of them moved over to Jewel, but then now have started leasing up at, at Arik. They went to F9, which the Elysian guys bought recently called Eli, I think. Um, and then some people went to Sam's building that he opened in the Arts District. And so it's really build it and they will come, And as far as, as, far as we can see. At, at Arik and at uh, Park Haven, we're both right at 90% in probably 11 months now, I think, 12 months. 90% brand new apartments, and yeah. they're not cheap. Right. So I know at ARC, we're getting around $2,400 a month for a two-bedroom. We're also getting a $175 amenity fee. So um, I think if you build them, they'll come. We have three other projects with Southern Land right now that uh, will break ground later in the year, um, two in, in, in the Symphony Park and then one in the Arts District, a total of about 1,200 units. So. Yeah, and I can... I can say uh, for the stuff that we're doing, um, I, you know, we started in the multifamily with Share Downtown in the Arts District. I remember seeing a number years before we started that said there's a pent-up demand of like 6,000 units that immediately could be filled. That came across and looked at Grant and said, we, we got to build some units down here. And, and we love the Arts District. Our first building was in the Arts District, Soho Loft in the northeast corner. Um, so we brought uh, a concept share downtown, which is a four-story building, uh, small units, 480 square feet. You have to go outside to change your mind. However, when you do go outside, there's great amenities. I mean, they're beautiful. You have downtown. You have Esther's Kitchen right next door, the sushi place, the, the wine bar, um, and then everything we do on property. And, and we're getting a great uh, uh, rental amount. We're trying to be... So, so we look at it for the people living there at the overall price of what they're paying for rent, and we're in that $1,200 to $1,300 a month. We purposely didn't have two bedrooms, three bedrooms. We didn't want to have units that were 2000 3000 and there's a market for it, but it's just not the market we wanted to be in. So we were very focused on what we're doing. Uh, we started the project, and then COVID hit, and um, we were essential, so we were able to keep going and, and keep building somehow. And, and so we had to adjust our, uh, what we thought our lease up would be. And in less than six months, we filled up the building. We were able to get our permanent financing. And um, 
the building is, is full. There's a wait list to get in. And we started another project on 11th and Stewart, same concept, share downtown. Instead of four stories, it's five stories. We're, um, we're just topping off next week on the building. Um, obviously big concerns with interest rates going up and uh, just different factors in the market, but we're confident we're gonna lease them up and we have a runway of, of more that we're gonna bring online. So, um, next five, 10, 15 years, I mean, at some point, does the, the demand you're seeing, I, I mean, obviously, uh, and we'll talk about this a little bit later, but with the lands bill being dead, we're gonna have to start talking about infill and density more than ever before. So that's sort of a variable nobody can really quantify yet, but do you guys see this, this demand indefinitely going over the next five, 10, 15 years? Well, I, I can jump in quickly and yeah. say that, I mean, five years happens like that, you yeah. know, that's, that's so, um, you know, and then downtown being uh, largely in an opportunity zone and these are 10 year holds, um, th there's a lot of capital coming in that's structured with the uh, opportunity zones. Our second project was structured as an opportunity zone, so that's a, a, a 10 year hold for us. And I, I think, you know, just even at the last planning commission on Tuesday, there was over 700 units approved between the medical district, the arts district, um, some district I've never even heard of that's in downtown. So that, that there's, there's a lot of excitement happening down there. So. Yeah. I, it's been described to me like uh, like Nashville, and, and it's not stopping. And and if you look at what happened in the last 10 years, and think about the next 10 years, I mean, I think we're going to get to these high-rise questions. But you know, the rents are getting to a, a high-rise market, and uh, there's some crazy projects that you see at Planning Commission where there's like 300 units on an 11-story parking garage that you're just like, this is not going to happen. But um, phase three at, at Symphony Park uh, with Southern Land is a, is a high-risk project that's starting in, in uh, the end of the year. And um, as far as it's slowing down, I just don't see it. There was more businesses in the, the arts district that opened since COVID than downtown Summerlin, as far as like yeah. bars and restaurants and things like that. If you like barbecue, there's a barbecue row, there's a, there's a brewery row. Uh, the first brewery is kind of an interesting story. When the uh, Golden Knights, what was it? Got the guy that started the beer, uh, Ryan, Ryan Reeves. Ryan, Reeves. Yeah. So so Abel Baker opened up, and they said if Ryan, and they had Ryan Reeves beer, and Ryan Reeves never scores, but they said if he scores, then then uh, they're going to give away his free beer all night. And he scored the first night that they offered this, <laughs> yeah. and so all of a sudden Abel Baker was like the place to watch hockey games for the for the Golden Knights. So if you haven't been to uh, to, to the arts district and, and just seeing like the amount of growth, it, it's unreal. Um, it's walkable, it's safe. Um, you can walk from Sam's building to Esther's, like you said, but uh, there's, there's like cool gyms down there that aren't 24 hour fitness and Las Vegas athletic clubs and so. Somehow I miss Ryan Reeves even more now. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, you mentioned COVID and COVID changed a lot of stuff including remote work. Uh, it made it a lot more accessible, it made it a lot more possible. Um, and I guess I wanna ask you guys the tenant profile. Who is, uh, I mean, we hear plenty about Californians coming here, but who, who, who are your tenants? Give us a typical profile. Are they full-time, are they investors, are they vacationers, who are they? Well, I, I can uh, speak to share downtown. Uh, it's across the board. We have artists, we have people that are re retired, we have teachers, we have chefs. I mean, there's not 
it's it's a wide range. It's they come together with one uh, understanding of of living in an urban environment and what it has to offer to them and the amenities of it. Um, but we have a wide range in in, in share downtown. Our, ours is a complete mixed bag. So we converted about two hundred. Uh, uh, micro apartments, former weekly monthlies into uh, what, what's called Revive. And so those are about 300 square feet. And those are a lot of artists. There are a lot of bartenders, a lot of the service industry staff kind of walking to the, the, the uh, arts district. And then at ARIC, the tenant profiles all over the board. A lot of people sold their home in, in the 2020, 2021, and uh, just pulled all the equity out. And they're paying to live in a nice place. Um, our tenant profile in, in some of our other buildings went from about 36% of our renters were from California. And then when COVID happened towards the end of 2020, we saw about 45% of our renters uh, from California. We were all worried collecting rents in 2020, like if we were going to collect rents. And, and we, we didn't get hit really bad. At, I, I don't know if how you guys did. but Yeah, weathered, weathered right through it. Yeah. Uh, our project came online. Um, you know, we were doing lease up post COVID. And so the process, you know, the apartments that were online before us, um, I think had, you know, tougher waters to navigate with the, with the rental component of it, so. You know, what's interesting, and I don't wanna to get too far off track, but we've been hearing these stories about downtown for, for quite some time, and, and you hear this tenant mix, and, it's literally the exact same story I heard um, when Lotus got built in Chinatown. Um, we, when we were bringing, when they, the developer was bringing Lotus online and I, we were doing the retail, um, we had no idea who was going to move in. I was waiting to hear from them because I was excited to hear who was moving to Chinatown. And it, it was the exact same story. By the time they started getting 60, 70, 80 percent um, uh, occupied, it was from an age range, it was all the way across the board from 20 to 70, from demographics, uh, whether it was ethnicity or income, all across the board, people that were living there full time, some vacationers. And it really just had to do with being in proximity to uh, a great quality of life that they didn't have to drive to. Um, and I, I don't know if that's what they, that's what they're really coming to your guys' units for, but. Uh, they had to have looked at other apartments in other parts of town. They had at those at some of those kinds of rents. You know, you're looking at some parts of town, and you're looking at Summerlin. You're looking at Henderson. Why do they ultimately choose downtown? Is it that, you know, look, I can I can walk to walk to a beer. What, what do you guys think it is? Why do they choose downtown? Yeah, I, I think um, it's the overall excitement of downtown. You know, I, I think it is the walkability. Um, you, you know, we can only park half the building um, uh, on site. And just because there, there's small sites downtown, there's not enough room. So um, we had to design a project understanding that uh, we need to, to market to people that understand downtown, that'll walk in downtown, that'll take the ride share, which is the RTC electric bikes that are, we had a station put right in front of the building. Um, and that mix, uh, as far as people that don't have cars, that have cars, worked out very well for us, exactly what we thought it would be. We charge for parking. Uh, we get $150 a month per stall. We started out at 75 and just, it wouldn't stop. And so now we're at 150 and, and that's that's where we're gonna stop. Um, and I, I think it's, it's, you know, we also don't have the big grand clubhouse with the pool 
in the jacuzzi. We have a small gym. We have a small community area. We have a, a, a place where you can go and do your co-working stuff in a great Wi-Fi. So we know uh, we have to be more engaged in our building, which we are. So every month we do a first Friday event for the residents. Every third Thursday we take the residents out uh, in the neighborhood to go to different restaurants, introduce them to the neighborhood, and we pay for everything. We just take them out there, and uh, we get about a third of the building participates. And, and that just spreads. They tell their friends. We tell them, bring a friend downtown. And, um, you know, to the point where I feel like we just don't need to do any more marketing for the building. The, the building is internally marketing itself with the amenities of downtown. What percentage of your residents do you think uh, own cars? That's a I, 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 can, I can tell you and share. So with Soho Lofts, being a condo product, we were adamant at having a, a minimum one-to-one on, on the on the parking, um, but for one share, stall per one, one unit? stall per one unit, okay. um, and that's worked out great. The for for share, uh, we thought we'd have about sixty percent of the units. Seventy percent of the units have cars, uh, and it's worked out almost. Uh, I think it's sixty-five percent have cars. The rest have other means to to get around downtown. Some people, uh, I mean, there's there's a there's I can think of five or six people that work either from their unit doing this vlogging thing and uh, stuff I don't understand, and and or they, you know, do their internet calls and uh, and they do it well. Um, I wanted to use the time wisely, but one more thing as we talk about you know what you guys have built, um, economic development incentives is a very very broad term, and there's there's federal level, there's local level, um, there's state level, I think. Um, and uh, our state has several departments that try and do a pretty good job. The cities have, uh, you know, departments that do a good job. What have you guys across the board used in the last five, ten years um, in terms of incentives and how, how useful has that been? I, for, I think the city of Las Vegas is the best place to do business in the country. and. It is a red carpet experience from, you know, the, the RDA to, to uh, having access to the city council and the mayor. I don't know another city in the country that you would have that kind of access to of a city of this size. Um, developing and building and rehabbing in downtown Las Vegas uh, coincidentally fell into the opportunity zones. Um, so all of the southern land deals that we're, we, we put together, uh, the deal at the uh, Meadows Mall, uh, that Tim Dieters at True Development's now building. Those were all Opportunity Zone uh, deals, taking advantage of, of that. Um, it was considered to be one of the best Opportunity Zones in the country because everything was already being built. Um, the city also allows for uh, 75 feet wood frame construction, which is part of the International Builders Code, whereas the county, uh, Boulder City, Henderson, and North Las Vegas didn't adopt that. So, you know, I, it's just an incentive that the city has that the others don't. You can build it in other places, but you got to uh, change the construction type. And so, we're big cheerleaders of the city, and uh, I think it's there's not a wait time. They established form-based code, which uh, Sam just went through as a the test child, I, th I guess. And so, yeah. um, form-based code essentially doesn't require you to go to the neighborhood meetings and. Um, so long as you follow the guidelines, you're a little bit more 
up to speed on that. But yeah. yeah, yeah. Ryan Smith talked about form-based code, but he just called you the, the test child. So please elaborate. <laughs> yeah, and I, you know, um, before I get to that, like as far as incentives for us, we we haven't taken advantage of of uh, state stuff just because once prevailing wage kicks in, it it really just skews our numbers so much that we we can't do the project and. Unless we're being subsidized heavily by something else, then it just doesn't work for us. So the incentives we've 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 done is opportunity zone, like John said. Um, we, we've done some federal tax credits for for multifamily housing based on energy efficiency. We did the solar tax credit. We put solar on our building. Um, so it's it's been minimal for what we've done, and the projects have still worked well. Um, the uh, our project on 11th and Stewart. Uh, it was one of the first, if not the first, of form-based code to go through the process. And like John mentioned, it's, it's a process where the city, for years leading up to it, went out to the community, tried to explain this new process of code. Um, very confusing process initially. And, and once you under, understand it, it makes a lot of sense. And, um, you know, and, and it's, it's basically making sure that developments in the area stay consistent with the area. And if you want to do something different, there is a process to do something bigger or grander, whatever is in your vision. And so, uh, like John said, there's a mechanism that allows you to apply. And if you meet all the guidelines, then you don't necessarily need to go to public hearing. So our project met all the public guidelines, but they still took us to public hearing. <laughs> and, uh, and, and we passed through public hearing. And they made a lot of changes uh, based off our project to the code, and that was just in this uh, Fremont East area. They went to the medical district, I believe, next, and they're looking at the arts district. So at some point, all of downtown will be form-based code. Um, you know, one nice thing that I saw at Planning Commission, there's a mechanism where if you want to get more density, if you want to get more height on a, on a project, then you need to come forward with a, an affordable unit component. And so the project in the medical district that was just approved through planning, uh, seven-story building uh, where it was a five, it's a natural to do five stories. You can ask for seven if you do the affordable component, which they did. So it's nice to see some affordable product get, getting put into the buildings and some type of trade-off with it too. Uh, affordability is a word that you that everyone's probably going to hear a lot more of here in the next few years. Um, and I wanted to take a moment and sort of do a, a brief little background on the word density. How many, how many in this room really understand what the word density means? A few, a few. So um, we use it a lot, especially in the mixed use coming and, and when you start talking about infill and you run out of land, uh, essentially you create more density by adding more people, more bodies per square mile. Um, and one way to do this is building high rises and skyscrapers and mid rises, um, just like you see in urban cores in downtowns across America. Typically, urban cores in American cities uh, start a little, they start a little differently than downtown Las Vegas. They often started with jobs and rooftops and uh, government, um, whereas downtown Las Vegas started with entertainment and hospitality. Fremont Street was where dam workers went to uh, let loose and have a good time. Um, as Vegas grew up, obviously, and commuting via mass-produced affordable vehicles became the standard across America, the home builders here, just like everywhere else, started to sprawl and build outward and uh, build 
or buy large tracts of cheap land and build single-family residences decade after decade after decade. Uh, that's what happened here. Um, just like the rest of the country, the Vegas lifestyle became more suburban and casinos started building south of Sahara. Um, slowly, people started forgetting about downtown and they forgot about it for several decades. It was pretty forgotten when I lived there as a kid. Um, but thanks to a lot of work by a lot of people in the last 20 years, uh, especially these guys, um, people aren't forgetting about downtown Las Vegas anymore, and uh, there's not really large tracts of cheap lands to buy anymore either. Um, and now that the lands bill is apparently stalled indefinitely, I don't know if anyone had heard that, but the lands bill is now installed indefinitely, and we were really hoping on that because there's a lot of BLM lands that we needed to build more stuff, and that's kind of what NAAP cares about. Um, Infill and density is, those are words that are gonna be heard a lot more and uh, it's really gonna come down to downtown. Downtown is high density living in the, in the beginning and it's in the perfect position to be the focal point of all of that future development um, for these reasons. Uh, land plays a major role in population density. It costs a lot more to build the projects that these guys have built. It costs a lot more to go vertical than it does to build some houses on, uh, you know, uh, cheap dirt. So the general rule is land needs to be scarce and expensive for vertical, vertical to make sense. Um, and now that cheap dirt is not really a thing anymore, um, it's going to make more sense to, to, to go vertical um, for our residential needs. Um, walkability is becoming a, a more familiar term as well and obviously more density means more walkability and a higher quality of life. These guys have understood that for decades. Um, People don't want to uh, drive home from work and close the garage door be before their neighbor gets to say hello anymore. Um, so uh, I guess I wanted to say, you guys mentioned it earlier, is downtown walkable? When you look at other downtowns and how vertical they've gone in, in their skyscrapers, uh, is that downtown's future uh, at some point or is it gonna be its own thing? I think downtown uh, has been walkable for the last 20 years. I mean, I, I walked to lunch the other day. I tried to go to the Greek restaurant uh, right off of First Street. It was packed. I couldn't get in. So I walked to the Mexican restaurant next door, Letty's, I think it's called, and yep. had a great meal. And I walked back to the office. So uh, I've, I've, I, for many years, lived in Soho in the high rise. And then uh, my wife and I had a child, and she wanted to move to a home. So we moved a mile and a half down the road. I could have lived there for the rest of my life, but she wanted a home, so we're, we're, we're and I've walked uh, from my house, you know, a mile and a half away to the core of downtown, which is a, a nice stroll right by the medical district and into the core, and, you know, and, and if, I, if I'm going downtown to the arts district, I'll park at Cher, and I'll walk over to Esther's, I'll walk over, at, when I lived at Soho, I'd, I'd walk to my dry cleaning, I'd walk for my haircut, um, and then obviously, you, you know, there's the heat that comes in the summer. There's the cold that comes in the winter. So you, you figure out how to navigate through that and uh, the places where you grab the shade and uh, the places that you don't go and the times that you don't go. You have to be mindful of all that in downtown. Uh, but yeah, I'd say it's, it's very walkable. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, I think I was telling Dan when we were talking, Dan uh, Tutland before we were talking about this, that you, know, you see guys like Barry Becker 
who I was with last week, and we were talking about downtown, and you know, he's going to Esther's kitchen all the time. We consider, I, I don't know if you agree with this, but hopefully you do. I consider downtown, you know, the, the medical district, the housing neighborhoods around there, like Scotch 80s, Rancho Circle, Rancho Bel Air, Rancho Nevada, McNeil. These are fun neighborhoods. To me, these are like real neighborhoods, like in real cities, and, and you don't close your garage when you get home, and, and uh, you actually wave to your neighbors. And, um, <clears throat> and what the city's doing to connect the walkability side of it, so Knudsen is, is widening the sidewalks, doing tree-lined streets from Sahara to uh, 95 along Rancho, and then what he mentioned, the walk from Alta, so you're in what, Rancho Nevada? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, uh, <clears throat> so Rancho Nevada down Alta into the core is all gonna be widened sidewalks, tree-lined streets. And then uh, Olivia Diaz is taking Oki, I think it is, and connecting Oki into the south end of the Arts District. And so it's a kind of a big like mile and a half by mile and a half of walkability, and then everybody's gonna wanna be in that core of development. Right. Yeah. I mean, in our neighborhoods, you get half acres, you know, quarter acres is like a minimum. And and, uh, and, and the trees are like from the 60s. And, and, and so we consider that all part of downtown and the, and the walkability of it. So. Uh, it looks like we got about 10, 15 minutes left and then we're going to go to questions. Dan's in the back. If you guys had Q&A, there's there's papers and pens in front of you. Dan will be walking around gathering questions if you have them. Um, we talked a lot about that. I want to get to, you know, what do they call it, PCs and plates. I want to get to jobs for a minute. Um, you brought up uh, a lot of the stuff they're doing, and jobs are crucial, and obviously we talked about remote working and how that's sort of changing the profile of, you know, being close to work. Um, but if you think about downtown, you think about, obviously, the hospitality, the restaurants, you know, Fremont Street. You think about the municipalities. You've got the county headquarters. You've got City Hall. Uh, you think about the legal profession, all the courthouses. Um, you've got the tech industry, which the city of Las Vegas has been working their butts off to, to build for years now. And you've got um, the medical district, which I have two questions. Do you guys, the, the medical district, we call it downtown. Does that, does that activity, that economic activity, that employment activity, that, that human activity spill over the freeway? And, and if I missed one of these sectors, let me know, but what are you guys most excited about right now for the next 10 years of job growth? I can quickly say I, I know it does spill over. We have tenants that work in the medical district that live in share downtown. So that, that's, that's happening right now. And, and um, as far as uh, job growth, I mean, downtown has always had jobs. It's a commuter downtown historically. There's been 40,000 people working down there. It's a 24-hour town. Like, um, so between all those things you just named, between the casinos and the, uh, the legal system and uh, all the different infrastructure that's been there for a long time, it's just at 5 o'clock, everyone left. And yeah. when we were living at So, it was a ghost town down there. I'd walk around and just... It'd just be me walking around, looking at nothing going on. Everyone left their office and went back to their, their homes. 
That was 15, you know, 16, 17 years ago. It's a completely different downtown now. I walk around, I see people with dogs, I see people uh, jogging, joggers, really? I, I remember bringing a, a banker down there and they thought I queued up the jogger to, to go down there. <laughs> but I, I mean, it's just, uh, it, it's a different place. And, and, and so my point is there, there's been jobs for a long time and, and, and we're expanding off that base that's been there, specifically the medical district. That's an easy yeah. one to point to. Um, so yeah, there's, there's, there's a lot of growth. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I, I thought they were running from, from like a guy chasing them. Uh, from the, <laughs> the, uh, it is funny when you bring someone downtown, you know, for, that hasn't, that grew up here and, and hasn't been, uh, downtown in like the last five years, 10 years, and, and they just still have this perception of, you know, don't go past Fremont and Las Vegas Boulevard. It's it's unsafe. You know, jumping a little bit backwards, but the downtown project folks would walk from like 13th all the way up Fremont to the Zappos headquarters. It, you know, so no security guards. I mean, it was no metro. Um, but uh, the medical district, jumping to that, it, it's a real thing. That UMC, I think, spending around 70 million dollars. It was in a presentation that Knutson gave last week. I know Frank's working on a pretty, Frank Moretti's working on a pretty large deal. There's about 600 or 700 apartment units that have gone through uh, form-based code. And, and uh, I think one, the recent one is Cedar Street mm -hmm. uh, out of Chicago. The, the, the thing about downtown, what we're probably seeing, is you talk to the local developers. I talked to Kalita, I talked to, to, to Four, I talked to uh, Malaski and Innovation. They, they all were like sitting on the sidelines watching downtown. And you could tee up the, the best piece of dirt and, and it was like from the city or, 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 or just a good deal and they just didn't get it. They, and, and I know that Elysian and Kalita are the same. Uh, they, they bought the F9 project but um, they haven't built anything. No, it's all been out of town developers. With they the paid a lot of money for it too. Yeah, in downtown Las Vegas. Yeah. Yeah. we just sold, and they get it. They get the vertical. They they get the, the seventy five feet. We just sold um, Charleston and and uh, Fourth for one hundred twenty dollars a square foot for land value, and, and to an apartment developer, and, and uh, you know that whole core there, at Charleston and Fourth, there will be roughly nine hundred units in the arts district. That's like call it 1,500 people that are going to be able to walk to things that, uh, that, that, that uh, is going to just continue to grow. So, You know, um, we've talked about this, not just downtown. In my, in my line of business, we've talked about in Vegas, you see so many grandiose projects and you see so many plans and there's so many press releases with these really cool photos of stuff that never happens. And, and we tell clients that come in from out of town, you got to build it in order for anyone to believe it, you know. Giving somebody a picture and saying, here, sign this lease, doesn't work as well here. And I think what he just said is, has been a great challenge of this town um, for density is they're all out of town, uh, partially because the developers in this town. Now, granted, we don't, we don't have a ton of developers, but uh, Frank Moretti, for example, he's a local, and it takes a lot of guts to do what he's been doing. Um, and there's not really anyone else in town that has had those kind of guts. Um, there, there's a lot of out-of-state developers. I mean, obviously these guys, um, and Frank, I don't... <laughs> yeah, Jay Dapper's, Dapper's the Jay. only other, you know, uh, he's doing the post office building, the yep. uh, East Charleston, the, the uh, theater mm -hmm. that you mentioned. Yep. Um, but yeah, it's, it's the same. 
Um, we're almost out of time. I haven't even gotten to the plates, Doug, on it. Um, so real quick, I, I don't know if you guys have gone crazy on a Friday night or Saturday night in downtown lately, but um, there's any, every kind of food you can want. There's all kinds of different beer. My, one of my favorite brands, anybody ever heard of Smoke Wagon? Fantastic. Hey, John. Um, fantastic country, uh, country star in terms of uh, the popularity and, and how good their bourbons are. They, they have a distillery um, in the spaghetti bowl, so to speak, that nobody can visit. And they're going to build an experience. So it's not just going to be beer soon, hopefully. Um, but as far as the, the retail, the entertainment, the restaurants off Fremont Street, um, what are you guys most excited about? And John, you mentioned Nashville earlier, um, and I know you know my team, me, Brett, and Chris. We we go to different towns to to understand their downtowns, and we've been to Deep Ellum and and you know all those different downtowns, and it's a lot of fun. But what do we compare to, and what are you guys most excited about? Well, I can say I'm most excited that they're making money. Yeah, you know, like it's I hard. Need that it's, story. it's hard to it's hard to make money in a small business. It's hard to make money in a restaurant. So. Uh, to see some of the business, not all of them, but some of them really thriving, uh, that's exciting. And to see the yeah. national press uh, with the Rob report, I think a week ago, talking about the arts district, our little arts district was amazing. You know, yeah. so uh, there's a there's a lot more. Um, you know, the arts district happened very quickly, so there's there's a lot more in the pipeline. And um, uh, but I'm just excited to see them making money. It's nice to see. I think we we forgot to to plug the Todd English Hotel. So there's a yeah. there is a brand new boutique hotel in the in in the Arts District that you'll see people coming from Howard Hughes from downtown Summerlin to have their meetings or their lunches there. I, I couldn't tell you ten years ago that you saw people coming downtown to have their power lunches. And so um, I'm just so excited that if you went to Austin ten years ago and you saw is it Sixth Street or Rainy Street, um, the, the houses that were bars that are now high rises. And so, you know, that was, and I actually uh, was there, what, a month ago. Starwood's building a, a one hotel on top of a condo tower. It'll be the tallest tower in Austin. And uh, I think Vegas is like in that direction. Austin, Nashville, um, I'm just excited to see it all happen. That distillery, by the way, those guys were uh, one of the, early pioneers in the, um, the Griffin, which was one of the first bars on Fremont East. Mm -hmm. So you had like three or four bars that started the movement. And, and uh, they actually bought the land from the city when the RTC and NDOT uh, mm -hmm. got rid of the, the land. So they'll be building on Oakey and just, uh, just west of Commerce on about seven acres, about a $70 million uh, distillery for Smoke Wagon. So that's a pretty big investment. And by I, the way, the Atomic, is, Atomic Golf is another $70 million uh, uh, development that's happening and being built right now. So, I, uh, I have a client from Texas that really loves one particular very hard to get uh, smoke wagon uh, bottle. And I didn't know any better. I, I had just heard of it. This was years ago. And I went and tried to knock on the door. And there was no door to knock on because there was gates. And finally, a guy came out. And he's moving some barrels around. And he's like, hey. I was trying to find this really rare bottle, and he's like, we don't do that here, man. This, we don't have a storefront. <laughs> I was like, oh. So hopefully that'll be a part of the game plan. They, they were actually the, our first resident at the Ogden. 
to tell you how everything wow. kind of comes full circle, we were trying to get them to be the first buyer, but they ended up buying in uh, Trotter Circle, which is like Rancho and Alta. So every, the, the people actually that left that were renting from us, whether it be Ogden or Jewel, they actually wanted to live there like Sam. <clears throat> but they ended up buying uh, mostly in the area, whether it be the neighborhoods I mentioned earlier, but because they met their wife or their husband in, in one of our buildings. And, um, but uh, that, it's, it's pretty cool that everyone wants to stay downtown. It doesn't feel like a desert you know, it, it, yeah. from where we live. Yeah. So. I, um, anybody ever heard of the, brand, the shoe brand Allbirds? So I, uh, the lady that does all the real estate for Allbirds, I was driving her around town probably nine, 12 months ago, and she used to work for Apple. So she went from Apple to Allbirds and had never been downtown, obviously had been to Vegas. We drove all over town, kind of understanding the marketplace. And I drove her down Main Street, and she couldn't believe it. She was shocked, and Allbirds, are, they're not cheap shoes. You know, they're, they're $100 plus often. and. She said, you know, I, I, I understand what's going on here. She's tra traveled the country doing real estate for these large brands, right? She knows cities in and out. And she said, five years from now, this is a place Allbirds will be. Um, and I'm not talking about North Premium Outlets. I'm talking about that cool, grungy Main Street vibe. So uh, when you think about the biggest and most trendy brands, and that's what they're saying about downtown uh, a year ago, it kind of tells you that, that we are grown up, it is done, it is over with. It's now the coolest place to be, right? Um, Q&A. Yes, we have a lot of great questions. Thank you both. Somebody from the audience wanted to point out that you forgot perhaps the most important construction project oh, ever to happen downtown in 50 years. I'm very sorry. I'm sorry uh, okay, that was me. 50 foot lighted showgirls across from the Atomic Golf. <laughs> there is... Uh, they, they took down the, the showgirls over there and made them 50 feet tall. With lights. With lights. <laughs> Got it. Another There's a lot phone. of bills coming in the legislature on, on um, rent control. Is that a fear of the developers of downtown of all of it? Are we okay asking that question? Yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, it's tough. Listen, I... I, I I think there's there's other mechanisms that can um, get us to the the same place in downtown, um, and, and things that are happening. For example, like I mentioned, through the form-based code. Um, so to, to have you know a, another obstacle that is going to potentially make people not want to be in downtown and look somewhere else and look at where they can spread out their costs on a much bigger project as far as scale, um, you know, because outside of Symphony Park, you know, it's, it's hard to do an assemblage downtown. It's hard to get the, uh, the, the parcels together. So um, I, don't, I don't know the specifics of it, but I can tell you it, it's, um, uh, it, it's something that would be a hurdle that I think would be a, there's a different way to do it than to have a mandate through it. So thank you. <laughs> Thank you to that person. <laughs> <laughs> the age-old question of grocery stores, Sam. Yeah, happy to, I, I mean, I get this all the time. We got this 20 years ago. It, you know? And then the second part of the question, is there any other missing elements that you guys want to see downtown? I'll answer the, the grocery one, if that's okay. It's yeah. a, uh, you know, 20 years ago, we were asked the same thing. Where are we going to get our groceries? So uh, Grant and Jason, Ryan and I were had to come up with an answer, and so we had this 
big glossy answer of we're going to have this room where you can have a refrigerator and you can have your stuff dropped off. I think at that time, Albertsons had a, a pilot program in you know, North Dakota somewhere where they're delivering. So we latched onto that and said, well, you, you can have it delivered and we're going to have a room for it. And people, oh, okay, that'll work. And they, they bought their units. And uh, after that, Amazon and all these different things, you can press a button, a grocery store comes there. My wife, who I love, comes from the shiny hills of Summerlin down to the depths of downtown. And the first thing she says is, where are we going to shop? And, and, I'm, and at the time, she couldn't boil water. And, and no offense, I love her, but she couldn't. And my father-in-law, David Dahan, is here, so I can say that. He knows that. And... and, and but, but look at me. I haven't missed a meal yet. I mean, listen, you, you can shop in downtown. There's a Smith's down there. There's a Albertson's on the other side. There's a button you can press and get your Costco. food. I, there's a Costco. There's a Costco half yeah. a mile away from my house, yeah. a Costco. So, I, you know, I, I, wanna, I want people to take where are we going to shop out of the conversation of downtown. It's, it's not an issue. It's not a problem. Uh, do we need another grocer down there? Yeah, at some point we do, and it'll happen naturally. If it happened 10 years ago, it would have failed, and we'd, I'd be up here saying, well, yeah, it failed down there. It'll never work. It wasn't the right time. So I can tell you today, there's smart people from Las Vegas in another state talking to people right now about a grocery store, and if they can make a deal out of it, uh, maybe in, in, in six months to a year they can announce it, and maybe in three years it'll come to fruition, and that'll be the right time to have a grocery store. So that's my Good answer. answer. Great answer. Are any families moving downtown too soon? You know, I will say that uh, the, not, not as many as we'd like. Um, we're losing folks when they have children to places where they can get their kid to school a lot easier. So but you do have Our Lady, um, Ninth Bridge School started, you have Las Vegas Academy, but not everybody can get into that. But um, I think a lot of families are moving to areas um, once they have children, or a lot, of, a lot of parents are moving once they have children, uh, to areas where they can get to school a lot easier. So I think that's the, the schools are the biggest deterrent for getting families downtown. Mm. Yeah, it, it, it's true, and, and, and my wife feels the same way with, with uh, our, our child. And you know, I grew up in a public school system. I didn't grow up fancy. I didn't go to a, you know a private school. So I, I see Wasden, which was just redone, you know, yeah. uh, five minutes away from me, and I'm thinking, well, can't we, can't we just send our daughter to there? You know, does she need to yeah. go to a different school? But there's just kind of this feeling that uh, it doesn't work. And I'm a product of the public school system. I was kicked out at ninth grade. And so I know there's there's some problems in it, and uh, hopefully it, it gets better. So there's definitely that concern down there. A little more detailed question. You mentioned general rent numbers specific to square footage, but how? What about the building cost? Is there different? You know, you mentioned 120 dollars a square foot at Fourth Street Symphony Park. Can you kind of just run us through? Both of you make me some of the construction cost and per square foot cost like that for a minute or two. I, I can quickly say from share one to share two, um, uh, in, in less than 12 months' time, it went up over 30% in cost for us. Yeah. That was a big hit. And we're going to get hit again with these interest rates where they're at and try to get our permanent financing, which is a big concern. 
Um, as far as the detail, John's way more versed in that than I am, I would say. Then, uh, yeah, we're, we're the same 30, 35% higher. So Arik, if we were to build it today, we that was built for roughly 275,000 a door, and that's a wood frame wrap product. Um, and then uh, bidding that same project out today is about 375,000 a door. So $100,000 increase, so. Are the rents more in Symphony Park, more than the medical district, more than 4th and Charleston? Is there a? They're all, they're all different. It's different products, it's, you know, it's uh, at least in the arts district. I, we haven't even started any site work over there. And um, we get more calls for, from retail guys trying to rent retail uh, that, that look, there's a waiting list, like he said, for share on the apartments. Um, meanwhile, we've had a, a struggle at, at Symphony Park getting that final uh, retail space leased. But um, so, so the rents as far as the apartments are just kind of all over the place. Very different product types, very different unit sizes. I mean, you're getting 1,200 for 400 something square feet. We won't have 400 square feet. Right. So. Yeah. It is much different. Symphony Park, I walk around like I'm in a museum. I mean, it's, yeah. it's beautiful over there. You know, you walk out of our project, you're right in the heart of downtown. It's, it's the, you're on the sidewalk, and uh, there's, there's a lot of growth and a lot of things that need to happen. And, you know, there's, remember, there's a $500 million performing arts center in Symphony Park. I mean, the, yeah. the place is incredible. It's, it's really incredible. Uh, Speaking of, the, of that, the, the, we get the calendar for it because we're neighbors of it, but... They'll do 4,000 people in a day in two shows, a, a, a one o'clock show and an evening show at, at Smith Center on, on Saturdays. I mean, they're selling out again, which is nice to see. But uh, I, I think that um, to, to close it out, I, I think that that's a, these construction cost increases, um, new development standards uh, that are gonna cost more. I think that there's a general consensus that development of really any product, but especially high density product, is going to get more expensive and it's gonna continue getting more expensive. And as the uh, land gets more expensive, what you gotta understand is these construction costs translate directly to how much rent they have to get, right? So, and all we're talking about is affordability and we're gonna be talking about affordability more and more and how much housing and affordable housing we need in this town when um, we're gonna be looking at infill and it's really expensive to build these things. So. Um, it's it's a it's a big issue, and when you have time to uh, talk to somebody about it, and you know make these considerations, it's something that we're, developers aren't going to be able to solve it. It's going to be a, a, a joint effort with the municipalities and the state, and probably uh, the the federal government as well. So, uh, you guys have any closing comments? Otherwise, uh, Reed's going to throw the hook around my neck. I just want to say thanks to NAP, thanks to Carpenter Cylinders for hosting yeah. us. Thank uh, you. It's nice to have a, a forum to talk about downtown. And uh, I feel like I, I live in a bubble. And so I was, where am I at? I, what's going on out here? And it's exciting to see. It really, it, it, it brings confidence uh, that, that things are gonna get better going forward. Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you guys for being here. That was great. Thank you, everyone. And don't forget, if you want, you want to, Go to back to the office and have some big eyes. Grab that 25-page paper. It's really incredible to see all the stuff that uh, is being done on a project-by-project -project basis. Thanks again. All right. Thanks again to Carpenter Sellers Delgado. And uh, that concludes today's program. Thanks, everyone.
Thank you for listening. I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. Takeaways podcast is about sharing and paying it forward. If you like this show, please make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast and leave us a review. It really goes a long way. And if you really like the show, please share takeaways with a friend. Thank you and tune in next time.